it's overwhelming, but it, like it makes you, it, it's, um, uh, it's just really nice. It's really nice, man. Well, and the thing is, it's, it's so crazy to, cause I've been a fan of her, her music. I've just been a fan of, you know, I mean, pop culture. I'm just a huge sure. sponge when it comes to it. And then I remember I would get like the cassettes and, and the, <laughs> sometimes the 45s right. where like, you would be on there. I'm like, who is, I'm like, Aspina, Aspana. Like, how do you, I know. How do you pronounce the last name? <laughs> Ospina is a world-renowned music producer, sought-after remixer, successful radio label owner, and most importantly, an exceptionally talented DJ. In today's episode of the Original Doll Podcast, we talked about his remix of Britney Spears' Baby One More Time that had gone on to become platinum with sales of over 1 million units. He also had a number one hit with Christina Aguilera's Ain't No Other Man. We talked about his career and his work with Britney Spears. The Original Doll podcast will feature backgrounds to the music and art of Britney Spears. There will be stories and interviews with people from all aspects of the entertainment industry songwriters, choreographers, costume designers, and more. I created this podcast as a fan of music, and I wanted to use my Latino voice to shine a light on the arts. Many people only see a small fraction of what it takes to create a global superstar. We will also be doing something different. At The Original Doll, we believe in being philanthropic. On our socials and Patreon page, we will have links on how to help others. Oftentimes, the arts are the first removed from schools. The goal of this podcast is to shed a light on the many parts of the industry. Music is important. Dance is important. Art is important. So, take your seat, lights out, performers in place, as we present you with the Original Doll Podcast. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you understand? Then follow me. Don't you want to aim for stars you see? Don't you want my iconography? When I research, because like being from Chicago, like oh, yeah. house music is huge, huge in Chicago. Chicago is a very big part of uh, of, of people of a lot of de- like you know like Bad Boy Bill and 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 uh, B ninety six and I mean so I've been around for a long long time so these boys are are you know I, I they broke a lot of re- besides all the all the all the commercial remixes that did like my original records like you know Doma and all these big records that they did it's crazy and that was that was on the Billboard charts like right off the and how old were you when that happened Jeez, I was maybe like man like like maybe 23 24 you know i've been in a a hiatus for a very long time right but i set the foundation for things years ago so you know being a a, an an avid member of ascap and finally years later i would still get checks from i'm still getting checks from ascap but i did i set the foundation years ago writing songs for other people and then so i'm 48 now so i've been stuck in the studio for like since i was like 19 i'm just hours man spending hours and hours so you know for me um like this whole hiatus has been an opportunity to kind of like, I am, do I want to go back in? Probably. Uh, I, I'm eventually going to go in, but I, I'm not, I'm not in a rush anymore. <laughs> well, that makes I, sense, you know? Totally. And I think that's the, the whole priority changing thing, but also like you yourself, you have like nothing left to prove anymore. Like 
You've <laughs> Thank been, you. Nothing. Exactly. You've been successful with so many different things. And like, there are a few people who could say that, you know, they've had, you know, million plus seller remix <laughs> Britney Spears, but also a number one song with Christina Aguilera. Oh, like, yeah. The, the thing, and it's, I, I don't know. know how many people can say that they've found success with both of those artists. You're not somebody like, for the longest time, I always thought a DJ right. just blended this song into this song. Right. I didn't know early on that you're creating your own. Oh yeah, from the ground up, absolutely, absolutely. How much has being able to, I don't know if read music, but to be able to play music helped your career take off, understanding yeah. Understanding, yeah, I, I think that from the beginning, I think the most important thing, because of where I, where, you know, where I grew up, I'm, you know, I'm born and raised in Jamaica, Queens, you know, freestyle was really big, you know, um, songs, man, songs. I mean, so before I started doing it, thinking about any house music or anything just instrumental for about six minutes, you know, all I heard was songs, really good, you know, not even only just dance songs, just all across the board, you know, rock songs and all, a bunch of things that were inspiring me, but I, I know that growing up, that was the big thing, right? Having the artist, seeing the artist, you know, and as I started getting involved with people that were, you know, producing or, or, or managing artists, you know, it was just like the early stages of people trying to, you know, be on that bandwagon. So I, um, I start, so my I have background from my family. So uh, my uncles are musicians. Watching them just, uh, you know, first time going into the studio, watching these guys like play. The left side would be the bass, and then the right side would be the melody. I was like, oh wait a minute, you know. I, I was like, I think I, I I got I got the idea. Long story short, I think that um, uh, despite the fact that I, I said, oh I have family that are involved, but you know, people were in Colombia. Nobody was teaching me. I'm the only child. I'm trying to trying to hustle, trying to figure out, I like music, but how do I start this? I bought myself a piano, man, and I just started like just messing around, like over and writing and who knows, these songs, some of them were horrible in the beginning and I was writing lyrics, but I knew I loved it. Like I really loved it. Um, and so and how, did you, how did you ultimately realize that you could make your own? Because I feel like Picking up an instrument is one thing, but understanding, because I feel like there's definitely like um, music snobs that are like, dance <laughs> music is not real music. Do right. you know what I mean? Like there are those people out there. Yeah. So how did you take some something you're self-taught to go, okay, I want to do this commercially? Sure. You know? I, 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 you know, moving, move, moving years into it and working with artists and seeing the process because, you know, you're, you're sitting together with someone old school you know like you know you're playing the piano somebody's playing the the it's somebody singing back to you the melody and then you know we build a song and then all of a sudden she's going in the dj booth and then she's singing back to you what you guys wrote i mean it is magical mm. magical process that I, I i you know it was something that i was like oh my goodness and then you know and then the fact that i could after I had the baseline or the chord progressions that who knows it were right or wrong, but I was playing from my heart. You know what I mean? So a good, I wasn't reading music. I was just half these good musicians weren't looking at sheets, man. They were just, we were sitting in the studio and just, yo, let's just make a song. You know what I mean? It was, it was that type of vibe. I ended up producing um, some freestyle acts, uh, you know, back in the day. 
I had an artist called Margie Martinet. A lot of people don't know that, but I was it was a very big record in Chicago, in Florida, oh, yeah. on the oh, radio. Yeah. So Margie was was like was my 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 one hit wonder, but it wasn't like a huge hit. But it was my opportunity to express myself musically, you know. Um, and but those kept, in that scene knew that song. Sure. You know I mean? Like it was uh, adult contemporary wasn't playing it. Right, but right. That new music, whether it was Chicago or Miami, they knew that song. Do you know what I mean? And it's so, like totally, totally, totally. And 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 you know, and and just the fact that um, you know, and at that time, you know, there wasn't like the like the, the money involved and and the hype. But what I mean, it it is gratifying. It was grateful to to get the recognition, but Man, it was just such a, a a a rush to to like work with the artist, just the process, all right. But moving along, I I the more songs I did, the more things I did, and the more people I I got involved with, um, you know, I started producing. You know, I, I joined up with a couple of other guys that were doing a lot of the house stuff. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I could. Um, I started playing keyboards for them. You know, just going in, listening like the track, and just you know, doing some chops and messing, like just, I knew that I was going out by, by then, you know, I was going to clubs and digging it, but I was into a certain sound and certain vibe and I needed to get inspired by the right set of people to lead me. Maybe I could take my musical background and do something else, which I started doing now this dance stuff with these guys. And I was like, okay, so yeah, I, I could get down with this. And, you know, I, uh, I, I went ahead and, and, and just kept on messing around and, and, and got my own little pieces of equipment. And that's what happened. I didn't have a lot of money to do any of this stuff, but you know, I got, I managed to get some equipment and then people started, you know, I said, I started learning the, 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 the business process where like people were telling me, oh, Davis, you should shop these records to record labels. And then the, by then, James, these were things that were easy to do. I mean, you were, I could call up people. I wasn't really emailing. I was just calling people up and, you know, hitting them up and let, and, and, you know, putting packages together with my, my seat or my cassette or my, just my show reels. Like I was hustling in this way. So moving along, I just kept on, kept on just sticking to what I felt was, was good. My, my sound, still finding, still, you know, I did a lot of Spanish stuff with artists. I, you know, the dance stuff and everything. But I think that what opened up the doors for everything was the original productions, my original stuff, moving, moving along. Because no remixes or none of the, those things would have ever been at, at my doorstep unless I would have been working on original production. I don't know no other way because it's like the guys that were in those positions at these major labels said, yo, can you do this style on the Gypsy Kings? And <laughs> so, you know, I was like, I, I, this is like a, my, my first ever, ever, ever remix uh, to cutting things up and changing things out of all songs was the Gypsy Kings. Um, it's called La, La, La Rumba de Nicolás, which is on, uh, on Atla- it was a, like a subsidiary of, of Atlantic Records. Um, it was just so for so for the the listeners right now. How does that work? Like, how does oh, okay, from yeah. you getting those vocals, things like that. Right, right. So at that time, the way it would work is that <clears throat> obviously the 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 whole negotiation is that the guy the A and R would call you from the dance department. And, uh, you know, he was headed, he, he had the budget, he had the control of how this release was going to happen. Guy calls me up. He goes, look, Davison, I got this budget for the Gypsy Kings. I need a dance, you know, I need a dance mix. Now, immediately, the stuff he's going to send me is going to send me either a DAT, a DAT tape, you know, or a two-inch 
um, a two inch reel, you know, back in the day, you know, you slap them on the machines. I mean, so some of these kids now, I don't know if they're even aware, they don't even know what a dad, what a dad even looks like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, but, that, but those things, those things were God in, in the, you know, to get this thing, to get the vocals over to me. And you know, they would FedEx the, they would get over the, 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 um, the vocals over to me. And I usually, on the, on the financial side, the way it would work is that people would always give you an upfront advance before you, you know, before you, it was just, it was just uh, um, protocol. Usually, you know, you, once you, you, when you deliver, you get the back end. That's the way it would, would usually work on a major label mm-hmm. side of things. Um, once they would send those vocals to me, I would run those vocals. And at that time I was running a software I forgot what he was using, but I remember that a lot of the things that I would I was composing just to get my ideas was digital performer. Mm-hmm. And so I would so we would usually just run the vocals, um, uh, you know, on the computer, watch, cut them up, see what parts we we're going to use. And, and the biggest thing and the biggest and the biggest challenge for me was being that it was the first time I ever did a remix was time stretching these vocals, because now we're going from like a certain tempo and then you want to kind of speed them up to the end they had to sound perfect you know what i mean or they, they, so they wouldn't sound like a chipmunk yeah you know that was a that was a challenge because you know you would have a now here's the first time i'm doing this you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i'm going so i know what i wanted to sound like but the vocals so that i think was one of the most important things of having a professional sounding remix is learning that uh, you know that that method because mm-hmm. and moving forward this was going to determine that this was going to be something I, I i was going to be able to do professionally you know um so remixing wasn't just kind of just putting the beat and which i did here just putting the beat and putting a little baseline or grabbing stuff i mean this was like you know a full-on new record full-on mm-hmm. new production but the vocals it's like as if those guys came in and they, and they had to sound like they sang it faster because now you're going from like a I don't know, 100 beats per minute. Now you want it to be rocking at a 125, 126. But you know what? It happened. We pulled it off. It got released. Um, it was the happiest how day. Long, how long did that take for you to finalize your production of it to ultimately it being released? That being the first one, I would say probably about three weeks or something like two weeks. I mean, which, which people were expecting these things to be knocked out right away. I mean, but I, yeah. was, just, I was just so committed, James. I was so committed to like get this thing to get done properly you know um, you're you're an artist like this is your art that you're creating you know absolutely and you know people were gonna listen to it and people were gonna you know play it financially things varied because people always wanted to wanted to ask that but believe me that's a whole nother conversation how that 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 works we're learning more and more i think as as the consumers of music with like uh the masters and the universal fires that you know allegedly burnt five hundred thousand masters oh yeah where people in in some of the the future episodes I go into contracts like about how a lot of people don't realize you do get that advance like as an artist but you have to make that money back in order for you to start getting some there and there's the the options where it's like absolutely absolutely and there and there and you know there is for every remix and I forgot to mention now that you said Mm -hmm. about the contracts for every remix there is always a contract of between the remixer and the because 
uh, you're not remixing it and unfortunately claiming any any residuals out because you didn't write the I didn't write the song. Mm-hmm. So I'm just being uh, you know hired to remix. So it's stipulated in the contract to make sure that um, you know that this is understood. Yeah, you're you're getting an advance for this amount. You're delivering us these particular records, and we're giving you th- this thing. So you know these things. And you get to ultimately be like a free agent of sorts because you could work with any, theoretically, right? You could have worked with any record label. Oh, right, exactly. Yes. You could have been an in-house production person where you only work with, like, whether it was Jive in the 90s or, you know, MCA 80s and stuff. Right. No, no, yeah, no. Those opportunities, you know, would have have been, I had similar opportunities like, like that, but because I was... You know, I, 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 I got a good grasp on how to do this thing. Uh, you know, here I am 24, 25 years old. I, I was I was remixing everything. <laughs> it was just so many records. It's like, it was crazy. At what point does that turn into a commercially released, you know, single or thing? Or sure. is that in the contract right away? Because I know like, uh, specifically like in a situation of your, your remix of Baby One More Time, how that's on many editions of her debut album yes but how does that how does that work ultimately where you deliver the song to the masters right the masters yep. and then do you know like is this only a single contract or is this the option of being put on to ep uh, oh okay no the no, good, good question so um no there, there really is no uh, limit to the things that they could do with this once i deliver them those masters what you know those contracts i signed yeah I, there was never there was never uh, like, oh, this is just going to be for this. I mean, if if there was times they asked me on the production side, listen, we only need this one mix and that's fine. But I would always deliver them. What we used, what I used to do uh, also that I wanted to mention is that when you're doing these songs and you're handing them over all the mixes that they want, a version, you know, the extended version for the clubs, yeah. for the 12 inch, and then maybe the 340 mix edit for the radio, right? Mm-hmm. So there was always that, that I would always make sure I deliver. But the thing that a lot of people don't know is that when we deliver these productions, these masters to them, uh, I we also deliver a, like a, like a, 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 what they call a TV mix. So it's the actual backgrounds that she wouldn't be singing on top of the lead. So it would be lower in the mix so like if she would perform the baby, if, if Brittany was performing a baby one more time, but my version, I would, she would have a TV mix of it where I lowered all the backgrounds so Got that it. this way, when she's singing, her harmony is, you know, she's singing the live lead, the top line, but then the, the background is, is, is playing. So those were TV mixes that people would deliver as well. Uh, you know, that, and then in every remix I did it, they always wanted that because you never, they, they just wanted to have every version available in case something happened. If they needed to, like uh, I never do any yeah, of this. Yeah, so this is a really big deal. So you know, so always the TV mix when they're performing, there's always the mix of the backgrounds lower in the mix. Everything is up in your face, but the lead is what you'll hear when they're singing on top of the track. And so, how does how does that work in the sense of like you know you who I, I and I want to give a, a shout out to like your Brandy Reggaeton, like the mix, oh. <laughs> those were so, those were so, I, I don't want to say the words, but good. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I think that's like, um, that's a style which I would never think Brandy and this, and yet her voice yeah. lent so nicely to it. So I wonder when you deal with these artists, 
um, like with Britney, she wasn't Britney at the time. Yeah, you know, where very young, you know, very going to be in that. And so, how do you ultimately decide what you can bring to an artist? Because the vocals of Brandy are different than the vocals of the Backstreet Boys, different yeah. than the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, how do you? Um, how do you use that creative, your own creative things, but honoring their voice in the yeah, song? Yeah, no, totally. And uh, now <clears throat> getting to the point. So I guess, you know, all that is going on. And finally I get the the, the, the grand slam is the, the Britney, which no one knew that she was going to be what mm -hmm. she is today. I mean, so, so and I'll tell you a little bit where in the position that I was in at the point that Please. this this come I mean and this is something that is going to be fantastic for your podcast because I think that I want people to know this. Mm -hmm. um, so, <clears throat> number one, I'm living in uh, in Queens, um, and you know I got my studio like in the corner of a, of the kitchen, um, you know. So I'm 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 doing fairly well, but I'm still hustling. I'm still doing. I think people know who I am and. But I'm still working hard, you know, uh, and here I am in the kitchen. I get the FedEx because uh, we, we already did the, the, I got the phone call. Right. At that point, the guys from Jive now are speaking to the people from Atlantic Records and going, listen, you should maybe give a shot to um, to Davidson Ospina. See if he, he, we could, you know, maybe do a mix on on this on this Britney song, you know, and and lucky, luckily at that time, the guy that was A&R, the head of the, 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 the dance department at Jive um, was a fan of my, my music, you know, he, all the original stuff I did. Once again, back to the original stuff that, that that was that was my golden ticket, just hammering as much original stuff so that they could finally know who, who the hell I was, you know. Anyway, so the guy talks to me, we, we negotiate. Uh, here, here I am about to get a serious budget on this thing. I, I get the FedEx. Um, it gets delivered. I, uh, and what's in there? You know, I get the, the, the dats, the original dats of Britney singing the baby one more time. Uh, you know, along with, with my first biggest paycheck inside of this, this thing. I mean, so, you know, this is a, you know, this is a big deal for me. You know what I mean? This was like a, a big opportunity, but, but once again, I just want to remind, no one knows what's happening with this. This is a very young girl, mm -hmm. great, you know, she's the, the whole Mickey Mouse. I didn't even know the history. I didn't even know she was in, in, on, on Disney for heaven's sake. So, so finally I, I get the dance. I'm listening to this stuff. Um, and I recorded this record all in the kitchen. I did Baby One More Time remix in my kitchen. <laughs> what? Every single time I hear the original Baby One More Time, I recorded, I got her vocals. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't even have good headphones at the time. I, my headphones looked like the ones that you, you use at a at a, at a like a, a gun shooting range yep. with the big <laughs> with the big thing. I mean, you know, I I I, I, I worked with what I had, and all, the only thing that I had good about the entire thing was yo know, my heart and soul into the Absolutely. music. You know what I mean? So, I, do I didn't have a lot you of. Could had, you could have had the best headphones at the time and I, have no taste in music. Oh my time. god! It, absolutely. You know what I mean? So there was. I, I, you know, it's taking me years to think about. Like, I, but I wanted to share that because you I think made that that production of it in the kitchen in your kitchen in the kitchen. 
So, you know, all, all those, I, I still remember just sitting there and playing. Gong, gong, gong. <laughs> now, was the single out already at that point? That it Would you out? believe uh, it? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that they waited. Yeah, I think they waited. Um, I didn't think they anticipated. So I've heard that people always thought the original that I did was the was the main one because they really never heard, uh, you know. Um, so this particular part, things were a little different here, right? So when I asked for what I needed, I didn't just ask for the vocals, James. Now here's where things got even more interesting because as a musician, I wanted to respect what the people that recorded the original song did. So it, it wasn't all about me, but there were certain little things that I heard in the original that I said, oh my goodness, I could definitely use like the piano part. So I, re so I replayed a lot of the, you know, I knew that the main line was gong, gong, gong. You know, that was like the, their line, but where I placed it, they didn't, it, I rearranged the whole thing. So you, were, so you were doing your own ultimately instrumentation for parts. Oh, absolutely! All the all the baseline, the bass, the new it was new baseline, new drums, new loops. You know, um, did they ever send you like in a situation like that? Did they ever send you like outtake vocals, or is it specifically? Um, done? you know, sometimes they they were maybe I I gotta remember I gotta remember like if I gotta would have to listen to the end of Here the dad. Maybe she's like, yeah, maybe she's like laughing or or something like that at the end. I don't I don't remember because I still have all the original dads. Well, I, I did a, an interview with uh, Honer, who is he was in um this group All Seeing Eye, and in the nineties. In the UK, he remixed um, The Beat Goes On. Oh. It was the Buddy Rich version. And then Britney, the Jive label, contacted them and said, we want to use your production, but we're sending you her vocals on top of it. Awesome. So the album version of Beat Goes On was actually released two years before by this group All Seeing Eye. And I, I how did that work? The fact that like, you, and he said, well, you know, when you're young and producing, yeah. You don't have all these great things where you can easily press cut and paste. And this was a different time. He's like, so I actually, we didn't have clearance to use Buddy Rich's daughter's vocals that were on there. Right. So we had to have, he's like, I had to have my friends come over and jam for me and then just loop it in. But he said he was given like, um, maybe one more time and, and um, another song early on. Cause he's like, they knew something was going to happen. And whenever anyone heard it. Yeah. And that's why I was asking about the time frame because when that song came out, it wasn't long before everyone knew that song. Yeah, and, and I feel like yeah. yours, when the physical single came out, when when your remix and everything came out, I don't feel like it was that much longer. It was not, you're right. <clears throat> I, I do remember, and I, I, I do recall though, James, I, I wanted back just to that when I heard, because I, I, had, I had to listen to all the vocals acapella you know, before I got some inspiration. And, and I knew, I, I'm telling you, I sat in that kitchen, <laughs> in my studio, I in my, in my headphones. Studio. I sat, yeah, it was, you know, and it, 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 was, it was a cool looking kitchen too. Like I had it like, it had a, I had a space for the studio, like where a dining table would be. I had it like tucked in in the corner. But the thing is, you know, I listened to that thing and I, that, that, the dad, that vocal, her, and I said, this is a hit. This is a hit. This is what a hit sounds like. I mean, this is where I would say that 
from the era of that era when I did that, that opened up the Pandora box. That that was it. I mean, th- that was like okay, I could definitely do more commercial records like this. And mm-hmm. can I write them? I would have to probably be with with a proper writer and stuff. But I know what they want now. I mean, and and ever and then right after that, it was just, uh, you know, the guys like, listen, this thing is just over the top. Um, uh, I did, I did, a, I did get a, a platinum plaque for that, which I'm very proud of. Congratulations! Thank and, you. And it's, yeah. people physically were going and buying. Yeah, it was. You know what I mean? And the, yeah. the single and everything. And I think that's something that shouldn't be lost in this. Is that you know I feel like there is a definite shift of physical to digital. Yeah. And when it was physical, people had to physically take time out of their day to go purchase this where yeah. it wasn't the convenience of just going up, you know, and download, and- right. Or streaming. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I want, I'm sorry, I wanted to add James that I didn't want to forget, but as the success, when the record comes out, mm-hmm. the head A&R, the, you know, like now it went beyond the guy that hires me and goes to another senior guy at Jive. And he calls me up. He's like, we need a remix of a remix. So there is two versions of Baby One More Time. I don't know if you know that, but so, yeah, so there is the original that I did. And then when they did uh, the, 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 the remix. um, So, so I brought all the, all all of it again. I changed it. I put new loops in there. I pulled up my notes right now because I'm like, I have a list of like the versions that. Yes. So there is, so I did, so I did the the, the, the when she when it first came out right the the and then the, like the they did like a um which is like a b oh be in the mix yes being yes, the yes. big yeah be in the mix right so they so at that so they wanted to have a different version for that so it's and that was the 2005 that's one. it 2005 you get your you get the 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 da- you get the vocal final finals you put them up you get your advance then now as a as a producer of of these new mixes of songs you don't get the publishing aspect of it because you're not the songwriter exactly but, but you get would it be like a royalty or something um i would i wish i did i wish okay. i did yeah no and so that's what i meant on the residuals trying to get uh the, the residuals that i would i would have wanted to go for would have been definitely, you know, on, on, on sales eventually, or, you know, but there was a kind of, it, it was a kind of, um, one of those things with, you know, you didn't write the song, um, publishing would have been really difficult. You know, there's a lot of people, there's a, it, it was on a, on a, on a, on a, I was still working my success and, and my angle and my name and stuff to even start claiming any of that stuff. I, I treaded very lightly with that stuff because the one thing is James that for whatever royalties or anything I didn't get uh from those records but the notoriety this the success of other things and and opening doors and the opportunities I'm grateful for that so so, so in in turn I didn't get one thing but I think I got something else that gave me an opportunity to continue doing because I, I I you know I, I I did it for a career for many many years successfully so and we're um, still talking about that was, 20 just, years later <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, of course, it would have been nice to be like, here's millions of dollars. For I that. know. I, yeah, yeah. But you could have also had millions of dollars and then never, like, nothing ever measured up to that. Where exactly. Maybe these other these other remixes and productions that you've done, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Maybe your 
career would have been different. Yeah. So is there a point where like, do you, is there like a mechanical license? Is there some sort of thing where like, if she were to perform your version live, does anything, you know? Um, no, I, I didn't work that out either. No, okay. no. I, I mean, these are, these are certainly certain things that probably with, um, with, by the, by the time that I was hired for Britney uh, and, and everything else, you know, I think, uh, management at that time for me would have been probably like, you know, it was, once again, it was still trying to find the right people to work with, yeah. Who's the right, you know, uh, you know, cause at that time I was already hustling doing, if nobody was going to do nothing for me, James, I wasn't waiting for nobody. That, that, that was always, was always my thing. I said, I, yeah. all I got is, is the love of music and I, I feel like I'm talented. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to be, oh, okay. yes. I'm gonna, yes. I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have an upper hand on this thing, but you know, having management probably would have been a really good thing for me uh, mm -hmm. during that time. They could have negotiated things, but still to this day, those mixes are everywhere, which is awesome. But I think that I've utilized it now um, to my advantage, really, because now, you know, I, I am a techie person. So for me, like I'm able to kind of take all the things that these kids never knew I did and engage them. I mean, so th this is, so now really they've set the, 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 the foundation for what I could do now with it. <laughs> so yep. which is awesome. And that's what I wondered then you, do you have that ability in your contract where you can play those during your live shows? Does it really matter? Cause that's another question of, you know, your live performances, when you use any songs or remix or anything, yeah. are there any royalties or things that you have to pay? Is it fair use? Like what sort of, how does that work out for you? As somebody putting on a live performance, yeah, no, I, I, um, I mean, I've, you know, and, it, and it's funny because I haven't really played all my stuff as as much as I should have because I always played everybody else when I was when when I started DJing and stuff. But no, there is definitely none of that. But I, I will tell you that if I'm playing at a public place, you know, there is some sort of, um, you know, either a BMI or an ASCAP or some type of, you know little fee that people are paying to play music, you know, publicly, you know, the, the, the so yeah. that's definitely like in restaurants and stuff. So that is probably something that, you know, I think the venues and stuff like that would probably take, you know, be responsible of. I've played my, I mean, there are been moments where, for example, like on SoundCloud, um, I wanted to, you know, I started doing these. Um, the conversation with David Sinospina continues in the next episode of the Original Doll podcast, where we deep dive into Oops, I Did It Again and From the Bottom of My Broken Heart. For more information, visit theoriginaldoll.com. Make sure to like and follow us on your preferred streaming platform. You can also message me at James Rodriguez on Twitter. R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you understand? Then follow me. Don't you wanna aim for stars you see? Don't you want my iconography?